you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. Galatians chapter 1. This is God's Word. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel to you other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, But I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I'm writing to you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown 
to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Chapter 2. Fourteen years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been the Jews. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. What's all this about? Paul is writing to a group of churches that he had planted. He had brought them the gospel and they had received the gospel and started in the Christian life, and now he's heard that they're turning away from the gospel, that they've decided to listen to some other people who are saying something different. Well, what was the difference? Paul had told this largely Gentile audience, the only way to be saved is to put your trust in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He conquered death. And you need to trust in him. And if you trust in him, you are saved. And if you don't trust in him, there is no hope. That's what they believed. That's what they were walking in. And now... There's a group that comes and says, oh, no, 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 no. You didn't get the whole message. Listen, uh, you men are going to have to be circumcised. Because if you want to be one of us, if you want to be part of the faith, you must be circumcised. Why would, why would they advocate that? Because in the Old Testament... If you wanted to be a follower of God, you had to be one of the Jewish people. And if you were a man, that's what it involved. That was the sign of the covenant. And they actually did that? Yeah. Anybody who wanted to be a Jew, that's what you had to do. So now these Jewish believers in Jesus are coming to these Gentiles and saying, "Uh, you still need some surgery. And the Gentiles are like, 
Well, I didn't know that. Paul didn't say anything about that. But, uh, you know, I guess uh, if that's what I, that's what I need to have done, I, I guess that's what I'll do. And Paul has gotten word of this, and he's saying, stop! Don't do that! Well, I mean, why not? The problem is not the surgical procedure of circumcision. Paul had circumcised Timothy in order that there would not be an obstacle to Timothy's ministry. Timothy's father was a Gentile, so Timothy wasn't circumcised as a young man, even though his mom was Jewish, and he grew up believing in the God of Israel. But his dad hadn't had him circumcised, so he's a young man, and Paul is the one who ends up circumcising him, because as Paul will say, circumcision is not anything. Okay? Well, it's a fairly uh, painful procedure, I would think. Yep, but folks, do you understand? There is nothing that is as important as your relationship with God. There is nothing that matters as much as being reconciled to Him. And the reason that this letter exists The reason this is such a big deal is because if you think there's anything you can do to make yourself okay with God, you're not on your way to heaven. None of us can save ourselves. None of us can do something in order to fix it. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's saying, Don't be circumcised, not because circumcision's bad, but because if the reason you're getting circumcised is because you've been told that's what you have to do to be saved, then you're abandoning the gospel. You're no longer trusting in Jesus for your salvation. You're trusting in what you did in order to be saved. And so Paul writes to these folks, And he starts out by saying, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. He did what he did to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now here's the thing. How many of you have had... uh, life-saving training, okay? I know we got some people going through it right now. I see a bunch of hands. Did they teach you about the risk that the person you go to save is not going to just passively receive your rescue? I hope they taught you about that. They sure taught me about that in Red Cross training many, 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 many years ago, the summer I turned 16, When you go to rescue somebody, they may fight you in desperation. They may be still trying to save themselves, and they'll try and climb on top of you to get up out of the water further, okay? The best thing you can do, if you are drowning and someone comes to save you, is just let them take over. Rely completely on them. You're the one who got in trouble. They've come to save you. Let them do it. Don't try and climb onto them. Understand? 
If you realize that you are a sinner, that you deserve God's wrath, and you have tried to clean up your act and you keep making a mess, and then you hear the good news that God loves you anyway, and he sent his son to save you, then what you need to do is put all of your trust in Jesus. Not Jesus plus me. Okay? I've got to do my part, and then trust God to do the rest. No, your part is to rest in him. Cast yourself on him. He is our only hope. That was the message that Paul had preached and that they had embraced until some other people showed up and said, oh, 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 I'm sorry, you didn't read the fine print. Paul may not have told you this, but if you want to be a Christian, first you've got to become a Jew. Because really, this is our game. This is, this is our faith. And if you want to be a Christian, you've got to be one of us. And you don't get into our club without being circumcised. Now, these folks had a certain reason for that, and that is God, under the Old Covenant, had said they had to do that. If they were going to be part of the covenant family, they had to be circumcised. But this is not the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant talked about the fact that there would be a new covenant, and that the new covenant was going to be different. And it certainly is. The Old Covenant showed us that even when we try to keep the law, we don't measure up. We still fall short. The new covenant says our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. He is perfect. He never sinned. He completely fulfilled the law. And his righteousness is credited to our account. So now some people are coming along and saying, no, no, no. Let us tell you the real thing. And they're giving them a lie, which, as Paul says, is no good news at all. Well, now we got a contest. You're going to believe this or you're going to believe this. So the guys who were teaching a false gospel started saying, well, Paul, he's not a real apostle. He's not, he's not one of the real ones. The real ones are up there in Jerusalem, and they're, they're on our side. Okay, They, they agree with what we're saying. And uh, so you need, you need to go ahead and listen to us while there's time. You go ahead and get circumcised, men. We're going to have a circumcision party uh, coming up, and, uh, and you guys will be able to come in, line up, and we'll take care of you, okay? I think Paul sent this letter, special delivery. Hurry up and get this to the churches and cause those guys to understand, as he's going to say later in the letter, if you get circumcised trying to get justified before God, you're cut off from Christ. Paul's going to say about these guys in this letter, I wish they would just go ahead and cut themselves off completely. I wish they were castrated, is what he's saying. But what he says here is if anybody, even if I, Paul, come back and try and give you a different message, or if an angel from heaven tries to give you a different gospel, let that messenger be damned. Let them be eternally condemned. Paul says, anybody who's preaching a false gospel ought to be damned. 
Don't listen to them. Don't buy it. Don't believe for a moment that there's something you can do to earn your salvation. You can't. You don't have to. Jesus came to save sinners. Put your trust in Jesus. And so that's why he tells them, listen, the gospel I preach to you is not something that I made up, and it's not something I was taught by somebody else. I got it straight from the risen Lord Jesus. He is the one who revealed this to me, and the apostles, I didn't get it from them, but I have been there, I have talked with them, and they have confirmed that what I'm saying is the truth. Jesus is our only hope. Trust in him. Do not put your trust in anybody else. Don't put your trust in me, Paul says. If I came back and tried to change the message, don't listen. You have put your trust in Jesus. Stand on that. Rest in that. He is our only hope. i got to ask you, are you trusting in Jesus Christ and him alone? Countless people across the years have come to me concerned that they're not sure they're really saved. And here's why. I was very young when I prayed and asked God to save me, and I'm not sure I really understood. I, I'm not sure that when I prayed, I, I, I prayed the right thing. I'm, I'm not sure that, um, you know, I mean, because since I became a Christian, I've still messed up sometimes, and, and I just wonder if, you know, really I've done what I have to do in order to be saved. They want me to assure them that the prayer they prayed was fine. They want me to assure them that even though they've messed up, uh, it's okay because overall they've done pretty well. I can't do that. Well, what, what do you tell them? I tell them, if you're trusting in a prayer you prayed, that is not sounding encouraging. But if you're trusting in Jesus, then you're saved. He's our only hope. Churches are filled, conservative. Churches that preach the Bible and say we're Bible-believing church, they're filled with folks who are still thinking that they're going to be saved because they go to that church. They're going to be saved because they're part of the right group. They're going to be saved because they did everything they were told. I prayed that prayer. I raised my hand. I signed that card. I walked that aisle. I got baptized. I did exactly what they told me to do. So now I'm going to heaven. I'm, I think. I'm pretty sure. I really hope. Well, why, why would you wonder? Well, what if it wasn't the right church? What if I didn't really understand? What if the prayer wasn't good enough? What if I didn't mean it enough? If you're trying to save yourself, you're still on the wrong road. That's what the Hindus are trying to do. That's what the Buddhists are trying to do. That's what the Muslims are trying to do. That's what the Mormons are trying to do. It's what the Jehovah's Witnesses are trying to do. It's what everybody is trying to do before they're saved. The people who are saved are the people who come to the point of realizing... I can't do this. I can't save myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not consistent enough. I just, boom. I need a Savior. Hallelujah. I know one. 
His name is Jesus. And he came for you. For all who will trust in him. Please, I plead with you. Put your trust in Jesus. He loves you. You don't have to earn it. You can't. You don't have to measure up. You won't. Jesus does. He's perfect. He's absolutely righteous. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The whole letter to the church in Rome talks about the fact that now there is a righteousness that God has revealed that is based on grace through faith. Ephesians, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he says, all of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God made us alive in Christ Jesus. We're not saved by works, lest anyone should boast. It's all by grace. So how do I receive it? By faith. Put your trust in him. Say, God, I have no other hope. Please, save me. And I can tell you on the basis of God's word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're not saved by what we do. Circumcision or anything else. Years ago, a young lady thought she couldn't be saved because she was a pothead, constantly smoking marijuana. But after we'd talked some and I'd been praying for her, she decided she wanted to receive Jesus. And she said, uh, she said okay, but before I do, I need, to, I need to take care of something. And she had some marijuana on her person, and she said, what do I do about this? I said, put it back. She was surprised, but she put it back. And I said, now, you need to ask him to save you. And she did. And I said, okay, now that you're his child, what do you want to do with that marijuana? She said, I want to get rid of it. And I said, exactly, so let's do that. And we threw it over the dam at Montreat. Now, why did I make her put that back before she prayed? I told her why. Because if you think that you can clean up your act so that Jesus will save you, you still haven't received the good news. The good news is you and I can't clean up our act enough. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves good enough. If we come to Jesus as we are and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. My only hope is Jesus. He will save us and begin the process of cleaning us up. And it's not going to end with putting the marijuana over the dam. There's a whole lot of other mess that we didn't even know about. That in the light of his glory and his righteousness, we'll begin to say, oh, that doesn't belong either, does it? And he'll say, no, it does not. And he doesn't show all of us the same stuff in the same order at the same time. Thank God, in his mercy, he doesn't show us everything that's wrong with us the day we get saved, okay? Because we would just melt into a pile on the floor. But God, step by step, 
shows us and encourages us and says, now that's got to change. That's got to change. You're going to have to give that up. And we say, oh, this? What's wrong with this? And he says, I don't like it because it's bad for you. I don't think it's that bad for me. Are you sure I have to give it up? He says, do you trust me? Do you trust me? I love you more than you love you. Get rid of that. It doesn't belong. And then we find out he really does love us more than we love ourselves. He loves us so much that he gave his life for us. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.